Hey folks, I'm Ben Davis, your host for the Untrapped Entrepreneur Podcast. Let's get untrapped. Okay, so we're back on the Untrapped Entrepreneur Show. And uh, Nick, you're totally not prepared for this, but I'm using robots now to introduce all of my guests. You and I have known each other since 2012, but I acted like I did not know you at all. And I threw into chat GPT. I'm like, oh, hey, no. hey, I, you know, oh, I, no. <laughs> I'm interviewing this guy, Nick. I haven't, I don't know who he is. Like maybe he's a successful guy, maybe not. Uh, you know, did he rob a bank? I'm not sure, but I know this guy, Nick Kennedy. Uh, he's coming on my show. I need uh, a quick bio in a hundred words or less just to make sure he's not like, you know, some extreme criminal. I'm putting out there and so <laughs> what well yeah let's see i want to uh, do i get to rate this at the end do i get a do i get a hot or not scale or what do i get to do a nine out of ten uh man this is it's gonna be it's gonna get rough man it's gonna get pretty rough okay it's gonna start <laughs> it's gonna start good but then the next prompt and the next answer is gonna get a little dicey okay, okay. All right. All right. So let's let's see if uh, the. And to be clear, I get for I get full editorial control over this podcast, right, Ben? That was oh part sure. Of, it's not live. It's not live. Our people um, talk to each other, right? Yeah. No. This this <laughs> actually this probably the whole show might be edited out. <laughs> so don't worry. All right. So here's your intro, Nick, from the robot. Nick Kennedy is an accomplished entrepreneur and author with a 20 year track record of successful ventures. He's a founder of an airline that was later acquired by Surf Air. Today, he uses his extensive experience to coach high-power executives, guiding them to become well-rounded business people, spouses, and parents. His book, The Good Entrepreneur, provides an insider's guide to building a principled business and a powerful personal legacy, reflecting his belief that success in business is about self-mastery and positive change. His insights promise to inspire our listeners. I mean, I'm, I'm firing my PR team. I don't need a PR team anymore. I'm going to, I would take that. That sounds, I mean, it sounds very PR ish, but that sounds pretty good for a hundred, hundred words. And it's only, I'll send it to you for five bucks, man. Just shoot me a Venmo and, <laughs> and you got it. That's impressive. I mean, that you, you just, it took a couple seconds, right? To pull it together. Took a couple seconds. Now here's the next one. I think uh -oh. all that was accurate. I know you well enough to know all that's accurate. I said, tell uh -oh. me something about Nick Kennedy that most people may not know about him. Oh, gosh. The very, uh, this is great. Nick Kennedy has a rebellious nature that made him stand out from an early age. <laughs> this is great. Yes. With a penchant <laughs> for questioning the status quo and not being afraid to be seen as different. He was born in Colorado, moved to San Diego, California when he was around 10 or 11 years old. Even as a child, he was known for pushing boundaries and being vocal. <laughs> Qualities that would later prove beneficial in his entrepreneurial career. An interesting fact about him is that he was named the 2017 EY Entrepreneur of the Year and was awarded Dallas Business Journal's 40 Under 40. How is ChatGPT doing on you, Nick? I mean, I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty accurate, but I don't know where they would get the rebe rebellious side as a child challenging the status quo. That sounds. Well, let me just say this to my my computer overlords: whatever you say is accurate, and I fully welcome you taking over our world in the future <laughs> i will follow you wherever you take us ai overlords i'll just say that to begin with but i think it's pretty accurate uh, i've always been kind of rebellious i had a report card uh i wrote a blog piece on this but um uh my mom gave me my report card i think from the third or fourth grade and my teacher wrote on i'm looking at my desk here i can't find it mm. my desk is messy but she said you are a very unique boy 
<laughs> and I thought, I, I, I don't know that that was, that was something that you meant to be very nice uh, about me. So I've always, yeah, I've always probably questioned the status quo. Turns out that's a great, great thing for entrepreneurship. I just should have been an entrepreneur at a much younger age. Yeah, if you only knew that sooner about yourself. If, mm -hmm. if there was only AI back then that could have caught that at, at, uh, at that time <laughs> and me what I should do. put you in the right direction. Um, well, man, I uh, like I said, we've known each other for a long time. Um, I want to just give the opening story here of how I, I ran into Nick, and uh, he may not remember this, but uh, it was at the Jen's Place, 2012, and you got your haircut there, and you came out of the haircut, and I introduced myself, and you gave me your business card, and your business card said Concierge. <laughs> and I remember the moment you, when you handed me the business card, immediately you said, here's my business card. It's a stupid name. I'm going to change it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's an introduction. I've founded a company and the name's terrible and I'm changing it. And you're apologizing for, uh, for, uh, you know, the, your business name. But, um, so I remember that. And I remember you starting concierge, which we'll talk about what that turned into. Yeah. Um, and then there's this other moment in time. My, these are my favorite moments with Nick. I think I'm sharing right now. <laughs> this actually is even better. Um, we're sitting in the uh, in the little uh, lounge in Preston Hollow, um, and I'm asking you how business is, and uh, and you're like, yeah, you know, it's going well, and this and that, and we're trying to grow it, we're trying to get members, and and then you leaned into me, and you go, hey, let's be honest. Neither one of us know what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and then you lean back in your chair waiting for my response. And I'm just, I think as a young entrepreneur, I was just shell-shocked. Like, did he just peer into the deepest part of my soul and know exactly what I'm thinking every day as an entrepreneur? That must have been a heavy pour they gave me when I, when I walked <laughs> in the chess place in there. You know, it's funny, though. It's like, you know how you can tell... Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can tell an entrepreneur, right? Like, like my, my BS meter is way up on people who say they're an entrepreneur and you can just ask them one or two questions and you're just like, you're not really an entrepreneur. Like, but those who have been through the ringer, you can just, you can, you can see it in their eyes. And I just knew that about you. I mean, first of all, I was standing in your place of business that you had, I mean, you had manifested it, right? How many dreams go to die and never, nothing ever gets actually done around it. But I knew you were the real deal because I was literally coming into a place of business that was this beautiful experience that you had you had envisioned and created. And I was a client of yours. I was a customer of yours. And I know what it takes to go from an idea to actually making it real. And I had just the I still still do, but I had the utmost respect for you because you'd actually gotten something out there in the world. Ninety nine out of a hundred dreams die before they actually become real, and and I was sitting literally in your place that you had created, and I was like, this, I don't care, I don't care much about anything else. Like this guy's the real deal. Well, well, thank you. That's um, for whatever reason, and you you probably uh, share this. I have a, a fascination, a passion for people that can create something out of pixie dust, and um, there's a, a lot of brilliant business people. They're the guy, there's the guy or gal that's brought in when the company's at 50 million and they're there to take it from 50 to 200 million. There's a, the next guy or gal that comes in to take it from 200 million to a billion. Smart people, Harvard MBAs, like they can do things I, I could never do or ever want to do. I'm fascinated with the people that created something um, from nothing. And so um, tell us a little bit about 
concierge because <laughs> that was a, <laughs> that was a something from nothing story and uh and then you know you you renamed it but uh tell me tell us about how you how that came about what what it was um and uh, we'll get into some of the uh the fun entrepreneur stuff later when you when you when you hit your lows but I think it's like one of the highest moments in your life as an entrepreneur is that moment where you go, I'm going to do it. And you actually, yeah. you actually get the business card that you, that you hated. Yeah. And then it's all downhill after that until it's not, uh, you know, like, so, so my, my oldest son who just graduated high school, who's a delight, uh, to my soul. I love him so much. I'm so proud of him. But when he was born, he, 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 his, uh, he came out with like a cone head, right? Like some babies mm -hmm. do. And, um, and, and, you know, you would show them off to people and you kind of tried to hide it. But like for two or three days, it just looked really bad. And like you could tell that people were like, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> like they didn't know what to say. It was the same thing when I handed people my business card, like concierge. Like, like, oh, shit. Like they're looking at my business card the way they looked at my baby <laughs> the first three days. I was like, this isn't going to work. So um, uh, I didn't know what the name was going to be at that point. It turned out to we, we came up with a much better name. The um, uh, My co-founder's son, who at the time was like 10 or 12 years old, came up with the name, which was uh, rise r-i-s-e and it was it was very uh, um, appropriate for for an airline as we were we were rising helping our clients rise etc um but i i just didn't love the name i don't know why and i probably was like i'm in between business cards but here you go here's my card yeah. and i had a and i had a plane on it which was cool so i wanted to make sure and establish that um i have been an entrepreneur uh as chat gpt will tell you for a long period of time um I uh, doing all sorts of ventures um, in in college and whatnot. I got a, a real job uh, out of college working for EDS for Ross Perot's company. Um, and I was there for a while and I was like, I can't do this. I'm stuck in a cube in this big behemoth of an organization. And it was one of the best organizations there was, And I, but it just wasn't for me. And um, uh, a friend of mine said, hey, we're going to start a business. You want to come join us? And I was like, I'm out. Let's go do this. I mean, I had no other income coming in. My wife at the time was in medical school. I mean, it was probably it, on paper, it was the dumbest decision to make. Uh, in fact, my boss at the time was like, man, you are making a big mistake. Like, look at the path you're on here at EDS, you know, and you know, you're going to be doing this and you get a 3% bonus every year, blah, 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 blah. Um, you can turn out like me at someday. And I was like, that's why I'm leaving. Not because I don't respect you, but like, I don't want the corner office to be my highest ideal. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> right. I did. And man, my eyes were wide open. Like I went to this organization. It was a super cool business. We were doing check-in kiosks um, for healthcare companies, uh, hospitals and, and whatnot. You'd sign your consent forms and whatnot. This was in 2000. Oh, three, four. It was a long time ago. And um, we ended up building that company and selling it like in three or four years. And I remember like, first of all, not knowing what the hell I was doing the whole time I was there because we were just making it up as we were going. Um, but I also remember when that transaction happened, like, oh my gosh, this was just an idea. It wasn't my idea. It was some other guy's idea, but I helped them go build the business. But I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, they just had an idea and they out of nowhere created what was, a, what was ultimately an eight figure exit for them. And I blew my mind that if you're just in, in like three, three or four years. And I thought, man, I go work a hundred hours a week for three or four years and make, you know, 30, $40 million. Like that seems like a pretty good ROI. So I just became madly in love with entrepreneurship at that point because it was the, it was the biggest risk, right? You bet all on yourself and you either sink or swim. And unfortunately most entrepreneurs sink and, but there's something inside of us that continues to make us to want to go do that. And, um, and that had been kind of my journey, but in the process of doing that and one other business that we uh, ended up help building that we ended up taking public, I had traveled 2 million miles on, um, on American airlines and 
I was executive platinum and I had all the perks and everything and I hated it. I just hated it. It was such a laborious process. And we'd taken this miracle of flight and made it like, think about this for a second. Like no one wants to travel anymore unless you're like on Emirates, right? In the suites. It's the worst thing. It's like, oh, I got to get on plane. It's, it's a miracle. I still don't know how planes, I owned an airline. I still don't know how planes exactly work. And we've made it this horrible, horrible experience. And, and, and the guy who ended up taking that business public was a billionaire and I got to fly on his private jet. And I thought, this is, this is amazing. I, I grew up, side note, um, my dad went to prison for 20 years when I was 16 years old. So I grew up kind of upper middle class, but very quickly went to lower middle class and became an angel tree kid. And I was flying on this private jet and I was like, this is, this is everything I, I, I want. And I realized, um, Owning a private jet's not very smart unless you're a billionaire, but there was a lot of people like me who flew in first class all the time and could afford to fly private every once in a while, but couldn't fly all the time. And Uber was taking off and Airbnb was taking off and they were the largest car company without cars and they were the largest hotel company without actual rooms. And I thought, why can't I create the largest airline without planes? And Rise was that. We created a membership model. People paid a, a flat monthly fee to fly unlimited flights within our routes within, within Texas. Um, and it grew really rapidly. And what we were trying to sell and what we ultimately sell was not seats on a plane. We were selling seats at a dinner table. Mm -hmm. So you would, you would drive up to a private terminal, you would check in and 10 minutes later, the plane would be taken off, right? We'd have your favorite coffee waiting for you. A concierge would remind you, uh, you know, it's your wife's birthday or your husband's birthday. Like here's some discounts for some places you might want to take them, et cetera. And it just took off like wildfire. And it was one of those experiences that I'll, um, it just forever changed my life. And I remember people saying like, you're an idiot, like getting into this business and this industry and trying to do this. And it's been tried so many different times. And I was just like, I, I probably am. You're probably right. But I have a hunch. I have a hunch this might actually work. And it turned out it did. So that's kind of my entrepreneurial story of, 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 um, of getting to start and, and build and grow and sell an airline. Well, and I got to, to fly on that uh, airline and I will, uh, I'll certainly affirm that the experience was amazing. And I even got to bring one of my team members, Liz, who used to cut your hair yeah. um, on the plane. And that was just, you know, probably like you were, you know, feeling like when you were younger, um, that was just a, an experience she probably never thought she would have in her life. Um, and it, it was incredible. And a couple of things that just came to mind. One is there's a theme that I see that uh, when people say, you're stupid, don't do it. What are you thinking? Um, when you're saying that to a true entrepreneur, you are, what you're really doing is you're making it much more likely that they're going to do that, <laughs> that one thing, right? Yeah. For better or worse. And I think the statistics show that a lot of people fail in a lot of businesses. So maybe it's not the right thing, but it just seems to be how we're wired is tell me I can't and now I must. Yeah. So I can uh, certainly relate to that. The other thing I think about is the, uh, the, the mechanic, right? It's like the, the best mechanic in town, his car is always broken because <laughs> he's busy fixing everybody else's cars. So you start this airline, you're trying to put more hours uh, of people's lives at the dinner table and, and not in the air and not in the boardroom. Um, and I found in, in my own life is that along the way, we're so focused on service, right? We are serving others. We're serving our customers. We have, we're going to build raving fans. We've got team members that we've got to take care of. It's our whole livelihood is into this venture. And sometimes we step back and we look around and go, oh my gosh, like, where's my wife? Where are my kids? Where's my health, right? Yeah. 
how did I gain a hundred pounds? Whatever it is, we all have these, uh, these experiences where, especially if we're really good at entrepreneurship, we tend to, you know, turn up those burners and then other burners, um, can flame out. So, um, as you built rise, did that happen to you? Did you have any of those moments? Cause you, you had very yeah. altruistic, like focus is I'm going to, I'm going to help serve other people and make sure that the dinner table, how was your personal experience going along that journey over those few years? I mean, for me, it was great. If you ask my wife, she might tell you a different story <laughs> or you ask some of my friends, <laughs> right. I might tell you a different story. Uh, um, you know, I mentioned briefly earlier, um, growing up with a, a, a dad in prison, um, I had taken that on as an identity. But let me back up for one second. So now I do a, I, now I do CEO coaching, right? I work with with tip of the spear leaders and help them um, both do business work and life work and relational work. I hate the I hate the term executive coach or life coach. There's so many coaching is like it's like real estate. Like the bar to become a coach is so low. But to actually be successful is really high. And I, and I saw a statistic the other day. They said 3% of coaches generate 90% of all coaching revenue. I believe that. You, you, you would see that, right? Because everybody's like calling them a coach today. So I'm, I'm desperately trying to find a different name for it because I'm like, God, I don't want to call myself. Like people are like, oh, you're, you're a life coach or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned about myself doing a lot of work. So after I sold Rise, I had basically retired and I took several years off. And I, and I ended up going doing a lot of work, quite frankly, with a lot of, a lot of uh, counselors and a lot of other uh, people in my life who did some intentional, deep, deep work on me. And, and I did it on myself. And um, I uncovered a lot of things about myself. And one of the things I uncovered was identity is everything. And um, I had taken on the identity as a young kid. I remember distinctly in high school. Uh, you know, my dad had gone to prison. Nobody, everybody was like, like being really kind to me. I went to a Christian high school. They were being really kind to me, but I like had this hunch that like behind my back, they were laugh, laughing at me, you know? And I remember getting in a fight with a kid in a, in, in the locker room, um, after football practice, just kind of shoving, he said something about a girl I liked and I said something back to him and turned into shoving. And as we broke up and went the other way, he said, yeah, well, at least when I get home, my dad's going to be there. Hmm. And I remember, like, I was so in shock, I didn't say another word. But what he said to me, like, words are powerful. And, and those were daggers. And they became my identity of, like, I'm a prisoner's kid. And what that meant was, I can't trust anybody. And people are going to be out to get me. And I've got to become bigger. And I've got to find a way to get out of this, right? So my entire mindset, I didn't realize at the time, this is me now 30 years removed doing all the work. I recognize this. But that was my identity that I took on. And so I wanted desperately not to be that. And for the longest time, it was this, it was this noose around my neck, this, this, um, this shadow following me around where I had to like, if you knew me, well, heck, when you, when you did know me, when you first met me, I never told anybody about my dad. I never told anybody about my weaknesses. I never wanted anybody to see anything that was vulnerable about me because if I did, that might give you an opening to actually get to see who I'm really in. Mm-hmm. And I had this, like, I had it, I wanted you to look at my trophy room of all the things that ChatGPT tells you about me. And we could gawk at those because if I can do that, I can be safe and I don't have to actually bear myself to you. And I don't actually have to connect with you human to human. And so that had become my identity. And so to come full circle back to the question you asked is like, when I figured this out was I was, C.S. Lewis has this great quote where he says, man feels like he's finding its way in the world when really the world is finding its way in man. Like how do you boil a lobster, right? You put it in cold water and turn the water up gently over time, right? That was me. I was, I was feeling right at home. I was the CEO. I was the founder. I was all these things. I was in the newspaper. I was, I was all over the things. I felt great. 
I had finally overcome this quote unquote curse that I thought had been put on my life. Right. And what I realized having done the work was like that had become my identity. And, um, we had gotten to a point where I had done my work going zero to one and I needed to get somebody in there to go from one to 1.1. I, I just would, I'd run out of tricks, right. As a one trick pony. Um, but I wasn't ready to give up the business. Like, but luckily we were able to find somebody to go sell it. But when you go sell your business and now you've sold your identity, there's no worse deal in the world than selling your identity for, for a bag of cash because you now are left with no one really cares what you think anymore. And I remember distinctly going out to California and sitting in this executive uh, boardroom in which I, you know, I was on the executive team and I remember pontif pontificating about something and everybody kind of looked at me and like, I didn't literally, but I felt like they kind of patted me on the head of like, okay, well, thanks for saying that. I'll, I'll shut up. Let the adults do the work. And I called my wife after that. And I was like, babe, they don't give a shit about what I have to say. And they weren't being mean. They just had a different philosophy. But that attacked my identity because no, I'm no longer the CEO. I'm no longer the founder. I'm just like some guy. And when you go from like, I'm a prisoner's kid and I've replaced that now with the CEO and now the CEO has gone. It's like, who am I? And I felt like I was spinning out of control. And then all the things you do to become successful as an entrepreneur, you, you take, you cut corners, you take risks, you drink too much, you like you, like there's all these things you do that you do because it's what you've got to go do. And you have to take an account of that you have to do a moral inventory. And let me tell you, the most humbling thing in the world is doing a moral inventory where you actually have to look and go, man, these are the relationships that, that, that were broken because of things I did and, and where appropriate, go make amends to those people. Like that will make you, that will make you rethink your life in a lot of ways and going through that process. And I say identity is everything, Ben, and it's a long winded answer to your question because Every morning I wake up and I write down the one thing I write down, I'm a child of God and I'm a, I'm a believer. My faith is a big part of my, of, of my story. And if I believe I'm a child of God, then I can go, you know what? I could crush it today and everything's gonna be okay. And I can completely fuck it up today and everything's going to be okay because he's got me. I don't have to be, I don't have to be God. And quite frankly, for a long period of time and what these people that had to do this work on me and the work I had to go do, I had to separate who was God because for a big part of my life, I thought I was. And, 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 and so I think in, in context of that, it's a big question that entrepreneurs have to really ask because you've got to give everything and still recognize that you're not God. Mm -hmm. How's that for a long winded answer? Summarize that, summarize that chat GPT. <laughs> That's great. It's great, man. Uh, this chat GPT is probably listening to us and you know, the answer may change over time. <laughs> Never mind. Nick is an asshole. What? <laughs> Not anymore, up. Ben. Not anymore. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I share, I share, um, you know, our, our faith, together in that and the identity that you stated i share that personally not necessarily that everybody needs to to share that but a lack of a foundation a lack of foundational beliefs that are separate from oneself um i think is something that's really important and powerful and when i see people get into trouble and unfortunately I'm, you know, have very close friendship in my life and they're getting divorced and it's pretty bad. And, um, it's lacking some, it's lacking foundation at an individual level. Um, so 
Well, it's the first step, you know, when you go through, I, I went through a program called Celebrate Recovery, which is kind of a Christian version of, of, of a 12 step program. So it's not, you're addicted to alcohol or drugs like AA or NA, but you're just addicted to sin. In my case, it was pride. Like I was addicted to pride. And, um, the first step in an AA or NA program, one of the first steps is, is, is recognizing there's a higher power. Like that's what AA would say. And why is that so important? Because, um, whether it's drugs or alcohol or sex or money or entrepreneurship, it's a, it's a um, mechanism for muting the something that's in your life that you need to pay attention to, right? It's, 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 it's a muting mechanism and you think you can control it by these items. And it becomes this dopamine cycle where you like, you get the hit and then you fall down and then you're like, Oh, I got to go get another hit. And you keep ramping up and ramping up, right? Dopamine is this fascinating hormone where, um, uh, uh, part of the reason people like ice baths so much is you get a 200% dopamine hit from a seven minute ice bath. You get 150% from a hit of cocaine. Like an ice bath actually raises your dopamine so much more, but dopamine is this hope hormone, this hope drug and, and entrepreneurs over index in it. And the problem is there's this baseline of, of, of dopamine that you, you rise up and you rise up as you have more and more accomplishments. But when you finish that task or you sell your business or whatever happens, happens, you drop down and you go into depression. Like it's this chemical reaction in your body. And to the extent that you think you're your own God, or you don't realize there's somebody else that can help you. Like, we're just not strong enough, Ben. Like we as entrepreneurs, we as human beings aren't strong enough, but especially as entrepreneurs, we're told you've got to be bigger, badder, faster, run through the walls, do things other people won't do. And that's true. But that translates in my mind to because I'm so much more special and I don't need help because people can't keep up with me. And that's just bullshit. All my friends who, who have run into trouble, myself included, have come because we believed because we believed we didn't need help. You know, I think you're going to agree with this. You know what, what phrase I hate more than anything else that, that jives with what you're saying. <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. Is, is self-made. Self-made. So these people that put themselves out there that they, oh, I'm self-made. I even had a, a barber with a tattoo. He put a tattoo self-made on his neck. Have you ever met anybody that's self-made? Out of all the millionaires, billionaires, everybody that you know that is self-made, that did it all on their own. Yeah. I mean, I've met a lot of people who uh, who have made one or two right decisions that forever changed their life. And I've met one or two people who've made the wrong decision that forever changed their life, including getting no regrets tattooed on their, you know, on their <laughs> chest. No, you're right. I mean, there is this idea. I mean, I, there's this great uh, quote I love. He says, if you ever find a, a, a turtle on a fence post, it didn't get there by itself, right? I'm just a turtle sitting on a fence post. You are too. Y'all are. I mean, there's this, and to deny that is just like, it's the ultimate form of pride. Mm -hmm. It's the ultimate form of pride, which is. I don't need help, man. I need help from you as a fellow entrepreneur and as a friend. I need help from my, I literally, just before I got on here, there was a, there was a situation that several years ago that I, I had just woken up from a nap. Sorry. I took a nap today. I love naps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm not a full entrepreneur anymore, Ben, but I woke up with this thought and I was like, oh my gosh. And my normal Nick would have gone and like, I've got to, I'm going to, rationalize it, figure it out. And, da, da, da. and instead I called my wife or I went down to my wife and I said, babe, I just had this thought. And I am like, it's scary about this particular issue. And she said, she just hugged me and said, thank you so much for telling me that. Like, I feel closer to you. So not only did I not wrestle with it by myself, I also, she, she said, I don't care. Like, I don't care what the outcome of that is. Like, I love you. Like, I'll do whatever. Like, it's no big deal. 
she helped me as a friend think through that, but she also just was like, she gave me space to contain me. And that only came because I was vulnerable enough to say, I'm scared. I'm 45 and I've got all these things that are going right. And I'm paranoid and scared about this one thing. And she's like, okay, we'll, we'll be here together. Like, I, I got you. And then like all the stress gone, just gone because I said, can you help me please? And when, when I said to you, hey, none of us know what the hell we're doing. Like we're just making this up. There was a connection there, right? Because it was like, oh, you're not the only one? I thought mm-hmm. it was by myself doing this. And that's when I got into coaching, I realized as I was doing work on myself, I would have conversations with other entrepreneurs and like every one of them would, would kind of look over their shoulder and be like, you, you too, you deal with, you deal with that. And what I realized was we were all living in our own silos and not having these honest conversations. And so now my whole practice, my whole life is to have either one-on-one or group setting conversations, settings and create experiences where people can tell the truth and change their life. Right. That's my whole focus in my life right now. That's my, literally my life calling. I create experiences that lead to, li- to truth telling and life change for billionaires and prisoners and everyone in between. And if I can go do something, if you ask me to be on your podcast and I think it applies to that, the answer is hell yes. And if you ask me to be on your podcast to talk about something that doesn't apply to that, the answer is hell no. Like I have the ultimate luxury in the world because it's black and white how I spend my time. And, and I'll do the most irrational things because I think, oh, I can go have a conversation that leads to truth telling and life change. And why do I do that? Because a guy who did that in my life changed my life because he pu- punched me in the face, not literally, but metaphorically punched me in the face and said, you're not as good as you think you are. You're just not, dude. Your shit stinks. And, and because of that, you've ruined this relationship and this relationship and this relationship and you can't tell the truth and you can't be vulnerable and no one knows who the hell you are. And I, and I, and, and like my worst nightmare, which is I'm going to be my dad, who was a prisoner is like, I'm turning to my dad. I'm not going to prison, but like my kids aren't going to know who I am. I'm going to be an anomaly. I'm going to be an enigma. And it was like, and this guy loved me lo- well enough to just tell me that I got to get it together. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I spend all my time now writing about that, thinking about that, spending time with that, with other entrepreneurs and, and leaders and saying, Hey man. Like, let, let me show you some things that aren't very pretty about yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ben. And, and, um, and, and Ben, like my practice is nuts. Like um, my clients, uh, like it's just been crazy. Like who I get to, who I get to work with professional sports players, owners of sports teams, like nuts, nutty conversations. I get to get in with people who are, and, and who, who just tell, probably should be seeing a therapist, honestly, <laughs> but they don't want to, right. Cause you know, therapy and stigma and all that kind of stuff. And so they hire me instead and we get into it and I bear my soul and I tell them how I almost screwed up my marriage so bad and all these things. And they go, okay, let me tell you about me. But, and they're just people. Like, people. I think that's one of the, these are one of the, the, the barriers I think that we can help break down for, for others is that, you know, as an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe you're thinking about starting your own business, you're in your own business, you've been running it for years or whatever. And, um, you put people on pedestals and you think that if I can just get to that level, everything's going to be great. And then you're dealing with people at that level and everything's not great. It can be. Yeah. Right. It can be great, but it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't have to be associated with any uh, amount of money, right. To be great up here. It doesn't. And it's a hedonistic treadmill, right? It's this belief that if I just had this thing, it would be better. Mm -hmm. And, and this is why identity is so important because if I'm a child of God, if I believe there's a higher power, if I believe it's a universe, whatever, like I can rest in, I don't need anything else to be okay. I can rest in that. I can rest that I'm going to be taken care of, which 
feels so foreign to someone who like has wrestled his way to whatever he's wanted. That's the key to success is to be like, I'm just content. I'm okay. And that's, and then like, but you also have to balance that to like, you can't be content and be a great entrepreneur. Right. So there's this constant balance, which is where I think community really plays where you can go out and just be a hard ass and crush it and do all the things you need to go do. And then you can come back into a safe community and you can be vulnerable and honest and have conversations. They can tell you things that, that, that you need to hear. And then you can be like, okay, let me, let me, let me just re sink here a little bit of what I should do before you go back out to the world. Like, I think that's the method you can do as an entrepreneur. I know, I, I don't think, I know that's what you can do as an entrepreneur to be successful, let you go hundred miles an hour, but also come back and rest. But you can't go hundred miles an hour forever without any rest. You will fail. You will absolutely fail. And you may fail through ultimately through success. Yeah. Especially I think about it like a uh, Formula One race car, right? You keep driving around that track thinking you don't need to make a pit stop and you're driving real fast and you're winning the race. Like something's going to give, buddy. It's only a matter of time. And other people who have been there and their 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 car has crashed, we can all see it and go, oh, that dude's, that's yeah. three more laps and he's done. Yeah. And this is like the wrestling of humanity for like, think about, I don't I, have you watched, did you watch Succession? Are you a Succession fan? No. Mm -mm. Okay. Well, Succession is this HBO show and it just ended. There was a big finale of it. The whole conversation is it was Succession of this multi-billion dollar uh, corporation and which of the three kids is going to be take over, right? It's the four seasons. It's not about that though. It's about psychology. And the fundamental question is, are these kids uh, able to become something different than who their father was? Well, my favorite book in the world is East of Eden. And John Steinbeck wrote about this multi-generational family in the Salinas Valley of California in the 1800s. And it comes down to this fundamental question of like, can I be something than who my father was? Like, is it just written in stone? Is just just what it is? Well, you can imagine what that means matters to me, right? With my daddy issues, right? Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like this is like deep humanity. Like, like your business, make no mistake about it, dear entrepreneur, make no mistake about it. Your business is not about your business. It's not. It's about something behind something else. It's about something you think the business is going to give you. It's about something you, you think you're going to get out of it. It's about something besides what your business is. It's never about your business. So the fundamental question is, why am I willing to risk everything? Like, it's really unhealthy to go, I'm going to go all in and put all my chips in on a business. It's a really unhealthy thing to go do, but why? That's the question. Why would you go do that? And when you can uncover that, you can still go all in on it just as long as you know healthy why you're doing it. Because if you don't, you start to make mistakes and those mistakes start to make add up and, and you end up for a, a wasted life at the end of the day, right? Our, our funeral, we're going to live. If you're lucky, you get 30,000 days on this earth and at your funeral, less than 10 of those days will be spoken about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Less than 10 of those days out of 30,000 will be spoken about. And the majority of those, Ben, you don't even, you'll wake up that morning, aside from your marriage and your kids being born or maybe starting a business, the majority of them, you won't even know uh, that that's one of those days. That's kind of like high stakes, right? At the end of the day of, 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 of thinking through that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by human psychology and, and, and why we do what we do as entrepreneurs. Well, what's really cool as an entrepreneur is the influence that we have over so many people. So if we figure things out ourselves, we can start to spread that. Or as a coach, you know, you have the ability to give that back. That's one of the things I love about being an entrepreneur is that I go and invest time in myself. And I get to give that gift to all of these other people. And it doesn't matter what industry we're in. It's like, we could be cutting hair, we could be selling cards, whatever it is, is I get to give that gift of my learning to others. And that keeps um, permeating throughout the, uh, the company. 
I do want to acknowledge you too. You know, my wife went through your coaching program. And so I'm a, you know, I'm an advocate for Nick Kennedy coaching. Um, and, uh, and the coaching that you did through, through Lauren or with Lauren, you know, made its way through, um, myself and our family. And it's something that sticks, you know, once you learn something, it's really, I think it's kind of impossible to unlearn it, you know, of course, unless you have dementia or something, right? Like there are things that stick with you forever. And you just, once you see it, you can't can't unsee unsee it. it. No, it's, you level up, right? You spiral up. And once you spiral up and what's so cool about it is, um, I, first of all, Lauren's one of my favorite humans. Mm-hmm. She, she, she gave me a run for my money, man. She is, she is a strong human being. You see being. what I have to live with? She's in the, you know, the room, she's in the next room over here going, I, I hear you. I'm, I'm listening. What she are you saying was, about me? <laughs> she was in, she was in a group with three other really strong women. And I mean, it was one of my first, probably my first group. It was one of my first groups. I think so. Whew, I, I really questioned my career decision at, at, at that point, not because they were bad. They were just, I mean, they were so good. Mm-hmm. They were so good, but they were, they, they were, they need, they were challenging around that. I love your wife. But what's so cool was like, Ben, like you're making your, I know you well enough and your family and your story, your family of origin story and Lauren's family of origin story, you're breaking generational curses. Mm-hmm. Like you're changing, your kids will have to make their own decisions, but you're making sure your kids will have different. And I don't mean just the wealth you're creating. I mean, because that's that is obviously there but i'm talking about like fundamental thinking about how we deal with relationships as human beings with our spouses mm-hmm. with our children with our neighbors with our friends like you're breaking generational curses and and that is the fundamental that's like one of the biggest things we can do as human beings is go i just because it always has been this way there's a word there's a hebrew word tim shell which means thou mayest or thou may not it's free will we are not we do have DNA in us. We do have nurture in us and nature in us, but man, it doesn't have to determine, does not have to determine who we are. And I mm. see that in you and Lauren, and mm. you guys have made intentional decisions. Even this, even this podcast, right? Like, I don't need to do this. I'm content to, to, to kind of just have these conversations one-on-one, but you're like, no, I know people need to hear these conversations. You're making intentional decisions that will be spoken of long after you're gone, changing forever the trajectory of your family life. And I, I love it. I love witnessing the two of you. I'm, I'm honored to be able to witness your journey, both of you. Well, thank you, man. Thank you very much. And uh, you were you were the first person I thought of when I wanted to do this show. Um, you're at the top of my Google sheet because I, I know the work that you're doing right now is to help untrap people. And you see them trapped. You know the traps. Um, and we're, we're going to constantly be pulled into traps as entrepreneurs, as type A personalities, as opportunistic people, we're, we're just wired to do that. And so one of the things I think about is, you know, there's a lot of advice around, you know, well, hey, just just say no, just say no. And it's hard. It's, it's impossible for me to just say no, just start saying no to everything. That's not how I'm wired. And so one of the things I've taught myself to do is to say, it depends. It depends. Like, hey, Ben, do you want to do this new podcast? Do you want to do this? It depends. And the, the depends for me is it depends. Does it align with my purpose? Does it align with what my goals are? And then I can discern from that. And so it's interesting, and I, I really appreciate this, is that you have that same philosophy where it's like, hey, you know, my buddy Ben wants to wants me to go on a podcast. Does it align, right? And what, the work that you're doing and the work that I want to do on the show 
is aligned in that, that, that aspect is we don't want to see people suffer. We, you and I have both suffered, you know, in our childhoods. <laughs> yeah. Learn from us. We don't want to see people suffer. It is part of our, it's part of living, but if we can help be, um, you know, be, be a part of the solution and be a part of untrapping other people. Um, I want people to say that at my funeral, like that guy helped untrap some, some folks, like he helped, he helped move them into a different place. I love that. Hey, for, for your listeners, Ben, I've got a gift for your listeners. Okay. If they go to my website, Nick, Nick Kennedy coaching.com, there is, I created a program called the seven day audacity challenge. Um, most good things in my life came from when I made an audacious decision, right? And somewhat irrational, but audacious decision. And we use audacity as, as usually it's a negative, but for entrepreneurs, it's the key to everything. And, um, it's a, there's five to seven minutes a day. It's a seven day program that you go through. And I, it's a, it's a video course you can go through with a lot of, um, uh, tools and whatnot. Um, anyways, it's free. Uh, and I built it specifically cause I get a lot of calls from people who want to talk and I just, I don't have enough time cause I gotta take my naps and that's kind of things, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's right. Um, but I, I built it in such a way that people can go out there and get, get a lot of access to a lot of this information. It's completely free, um, to go through. And at the end, if you get all the way through, you get a copy of my book, the good entrepreneurial, um, I'll email you a, a, a copy of it as well. But What's the link again? I'm gonna, I'll put it in the show notes too. NickKennedyCoaching.com. And at the top, it'll say there's a there's a link that says seven day uh, audacity challenge. And you just click on there and, and, and register. It'll take you through and, and um, you'll get a lot of information out of it for free. Uh, people pay me thousands of dollars for that information. And um, uh, I like to give it away for free because I want to make sure everybody gets access to it. And the importance of why to be audacious, but also how to, how to protect your downside right around your identity. And one of the things we talk about is the funnel which is that top of what's my calling all the way down to what am I doing on any given day, right? There's seven different categories of like, how do I, how do I build this in? Because if I'm not, if I say I want to do this, but my random Tuesday afternoon doesn't match that, then, then nothing else matters. So if you're completely aligned, then that means and from, from your calling all the way to down to your daily tactics, that means you're fully integrated individual, right? That means no one's going to be surprised uh, uh, to see it's the, the, uh, who you are. You're just consistent, whether you're talking to your barber, you're talking to your attorney, you're talking to someone on a plane, you're the same person. That's peace. And, and so there's a, there's a handful of little tools in there that I think are, are really helpful that you're welcome to go, go try out and, uh, let me know how, if you like it or not. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Well, uh, we'll see what chat GPT says about you, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say you're a great guy, man. And uh, I appreciate our friendship and mentorship and uh, everything that you've helped do for our family through your coaching. So thank you for that. I love you guys. Thank you for the opportunity. All right, brother. 